Hello, family, and welcome. We're Bob and Penny Lord. Today we want to tell you about the Apostle of Italy, St. Bernardine of Siena, Friar Mina, missionary and reformer. Our love story with St. Bernardine began a long time ago, about the time we got to know St. Catherine of Siena and the miracle of the Eucharist of Siena. For you see, right adjacent to the Basilica of St. Francis is the Oratory of St. Bernardine. Each time we went to visit the miracle of the Eucharist of Siena, we would see the sign of the Oratory, but along with it, the dreaded notice, the Oratory was being restored. Finally, one day, the door was open, and so we went in and took pictures. It was obvious the restoration had not been completed, but that was over 20 years ago. But God has patience with us, and here we are telling you about our dear St. Bernardine. On September the 8th, 1380, an apostle of Italy is born. To share with you the life of this electrifying saint, we have to go back to the Tuscany of the 15th century, puffed up by its ancient Etruscan history and its involvement in the birth of Renaissance. As we walk through the narrow streets and glance at the age-old walls still surrounding Siena, we find ourselves in the 15th century, our souls soaring. This is where it all happened, where God would take the impossible and make it miraculous. Siena and the Sienese are a proud people, set aside by their antiquity and culture. Amongst all this grandeur and pride, how will we find one from this class who will embrace the life of the Pavarello. Our story begins on the 8th of September, 1380, in the village of Massa Maritima, one of Siena's 17 districts, in the home of the governor, a descendant of the nobility of the Albisecchi. Into this opulent setting, a new life will begin. Bernardino, future friar, missionary, and reformer. The joy of bringing a new life into the world will not last for this couple. Before the little boy would reach his seventh year on earth, his parents would go to the father. But God does not leave us orphans. Bernardino would have the loving care of his devout aunt and her equally holy daughter, who would provide him with the tools which would turn him into a future saint. Not only did they nurture him as if he was their very own son, they gave him an invaluable religious education, which would fare him well later on in life. He continued to grow into a fine youngster, when at around 11 years old, he was sent by his uncles to a school in Siena to receive the education required of people of his class, that of civil and canon law. The boy excelled in his studies. Not only that, but he was charming and handsome, a joy to be around, always the life of the party, very like his predecessor, his future father in faith, St. Francis. But although he was fun to be around, he could not bear to hear profanity or crude jokes. That is when his good humor would evaporate and he would most sharply protest, taking exception with those engaging in this vulgar behavior. One time, a member of the upper class thought it would be a good idea to lead the young, pious Bernardino into a life of immorality and depravity. That earned him a good beating at the hands of Bernardino, who, 
when the culprit tried again, asked his friends to aid him in discharging mud and stones at the would-be tempter. Except for those rare times, you would find Bernardino engaging and loving, calm and gracious. Bernardino, or Bernardine as we have come to know him, felt strongly about living a life worthy of Our Lady, of whom he had a great affection. At age 17, in 1397, having completed his studies, he enrolled in the Confraternity of Our Lady, which was connected to the Santa Maria della Scala Hospital. He spent the next three years removed from the world in quiet, meditative contemplation. When in 1400 a plague struck Siena, and he came out of his solitary life to aid the suffering masses. He not only tended their fever-wracked bodies, he addressed their fears of dying. And when they succumbed to the fever, he prepared them for their final journey to the Father. Not only that, but with the aid of ten companions, he took upon himself the entire supervision of the hospital for the next four months. And this was at age 20. Needless to say, he was quite up to the task. But a price had to be paid. Some of his companions were infected with the deadly fever and died. But God was not finished with Bernadine yet. The unrelenting night and day care of the plague-stricken masses did not kill him, but so debilitated his health he contracted a fever and never quite regained his strength. But that did not stop him. He had many more years to serve his Lord and Lady, and he would not let weakness of body stop him from his appointed task. After the plague was over, Bernadine returned home, only to find his favorite aunt blind and confined to her bed. He spent the next 14 months compassionately caring for her, as he had for the victims of the plague. This gentle soul spoke quietly to his aunt, and one night she gave up her spirit to the Lord, nestled in her nephew's arms. Now, with no longer any family responsibilities, Bernadine dedicated himself to prayer and fasting, seeking the will of God in his life. Twenty-two years to the day after he was born, on September the 8th, 1402, having given away all his earthly goods, lands, and possessions to the poor, Bernadine was vested in the habit of the Friars Minor in the Basilica of St. Francis in Siena. But too soon, Bernadine discovered there were too many distractions and influences from the community's proximity to worldly Siena, family, and friends. Consequently, he left for Columbayo, to the Convent of the Observance. This was more to his liking as they were observing the true rule of St. Francis. Mother Mary always had her eye on him, what with momentous stepping stones coming to pass on her birthday. Bernadine was born on September 8th. He was baptized on September 8th. He entered the Friars Minor on September 8th. And here we are one year after joining the community, September the 8th, 1403, and Bernadine is making his final profession. That no sooner done, one year later, again, <clears throat> on the anniversary of his and Mother Mary's birth, September the 8th, 1404, he was ordained to the priesthood. 
Here we are. It's the year 1406, and we find our Bernadine in Alexandria in the province of Piedmont. And he's listening to a very famous preacher, St. Vincent Farrar, whose eloquence had been felt throughout Europe. Filled with the Holy Spirit, St. Vincent prophesied that one who was in the audience attending his lectures would inherit his mission as he was returning to France and Spain. With this, in essence, St. Vincent was passing on to Bernadine the apostolate of evangelizing the people of Italy he had not yet reached. All well and good, it would not be for 12 years before Bernadine would realize this gauntlet passed on to him by St. Vincent. There is not much on those 12 years, but it appears Bernadine was living a solitary life once more only now in Capriola. The bud opens to expose a beautiful rose. It was time for Bernadine to begin his mission as apostle and reformer. But how would God bring this about? We find that our saint is now in a convent in Fiesoli, Italy. For three nights, one after the other, after matins, a novice is heard calling out insistently, Brother Bernardino, hide no longer the gift that is in you. Go to Lombardy, for all are awaiting you there. Admonished for speaking out during prayer time, his superiors asked the novice why he had an interrupted matins three nights in a row with this outburst. Helplessly, he explained, I couldn't help it. Taking this as a sign from God, his superiors sent forth Bernadine to begin the walk God had designed for him from the very beginning and he said yes. It was now 1417, and we find Bernadine in Milan, in a city not only unknown to him, but in a place that had never heard of him. But he obeyed that which he believed came from the Almighty and began to preach. He was so touchable, so compassionate, so very eloquent, but not beyond the average man and woman's understanding. When they would reluctantly let him go, it was with the promise he would soon return. But his way would not be by the easy road. From all his preaching, he developed a hoarse throat, at times barely able to speak, and inaudible at best. But every time it happened, he would pray to Our Lady, his ever-present mother, and he would regain his resonant voice, ready, strong, and able to preach to the multitudes anxiously awaiting his good news. Bernardine evangelized from the west of Italy to the east, from the north to the south, always true to the word of God and the teachings of the Catholic Church. He journeyed by foot, preaching in tiny village after tiny village and grand city in between, sometimes for as much as three or four hours at a time. His way clear, he preached several sermons in a day at times before audiences as large as 30,000. Pope Pius II, who as a young man had been part of the multitudes listening to Bernadine, later proclaimed he was another St. Paul. He received acclaim after acclaim. A famous biographer from Florence said of his sermons, Bernardino cleansed all of Italy from sins of every kind in which she abounded. As the need arises, the Lord sends his messengers to proclaim his word. Italy and the rest of Europe were in sorry straits, with morality and piety practically non-existent. 
and God sent Bernadine. His message clear, his reputation spread, and penitents converged on him, lining up to have him hear their confessions. We have always said people are innately good, made in God's image. There is a hunger to return to God and his love. Bernadine's call to reform touched every walk of life. He not only influenced members of the church, but lawmakers as well. Reforms of St. Bernadine were included in their laws under the title of Reforms of Friar Bernadine. No one was excused from his preaching. He called for reform from the common man as well as from people in high places, in one instance boldly calling to task the Duke of Milan. He brought about change. His message was so powerfully accepted, the people lit bonfires and cast their sins and worldly temptations upon them as a firm resolve to live better, more holy lives. One of the scourges of the time was usury. The practice of exacting exorbitant interest, often resulting in the inability of the lender to pay, losing his home and all his worldly goods. To respond to this evil, Bernadine founded a society of beneficial loan societies called Mountains of Mercy. Please load our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Here is how to download our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Simply with your iPhone or Android device, go to the App Store, search for Bob and Penny Lord app, and download it. It's that simple. Here's what you can do with our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Number one, the, there's a link to our marketplaces, our websites, uh, our uh, blog, and this podcast. The second link is to our Bob and Penny Lord TV channel where you can access all of our videos as seen on EWTN, plus a whole lot more. Thank you very much.